Hello and welcome to the third of a three-part Rotating Reels special. This is uh, our final A-week review of the special. Once again, we were on a bit of a hiatus, so we are recording three episodes in one night. We did, uh, what was the first one? We did Fast 9, moved into a Hank week for Black Death, and we're going to wrap this up with a final A-week of Black Widow. We are typically going to follow our normal review that's a non-spoiler review, followed by spoiler review. But first, there's a couple other things we want to get into before we start talking about the feature film itself. Firstly, as seven of our many, many fans know, we have a Patreon. And not only do we have a Patreon, we have a very, very good offering there. At the low rate of $5 a month, although you can join at whatever rate you want, I think you can go for more or less. I don't know the features you can get at that point, though. But if you definitely go over, you, you get the same that you do at the $5 a month level. You get access to a minimum of two special episodes per month. We have a lot of fun stuff there. We've done some exclusive reviews. We've done some rankings of our favorite crossover events. Ton of fun stuff over there with a lot more coming. I think we're planning a trip for all of us to record some episodes and maybe some film commentaries in the next month here. So this is definitely the ground floor. This is the time to get in on the Patreon. There's a ton of good stuff there already with more to come. But... We wouldn't want you to, you know, donate or contribute if that is ever too much. Again, we don't want this to be a financial hardship on anybody. There are ways that you can help us out for free. First of all, you're already listening. That's hugely helpful. But if you want to help us out further, you can go to uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a star rating or write us a short review. You know, go on there and say which podcast host you think is the cutest by their voice alone. Hugely helpful. Boost us in our listings. We are just dying to get into Apple Podcasts new and noteworthy. It is an absolute bloodshed out there fighting against the other, uh, what is it, like true crime podcasts and the latest Jason Bateman bullshit that we're fighting against. So we are uh, hugely indebted to anything that you want to review us for. Uh, and before we get into the review there, we have one more topic, and that is what we've been watching. So again, this is a three-week hiatus. The hosts here have accumulated plenty of stuff that they've been watching, playing, or reading, and they have uh, kind of selectively put through certain things with this being the last. So uh, let's go to Hank first, who led our first two reviews. Hank, over the past three weeks, you've watched plenty of stuff. What do you want to end on for this last episode that you've been watching, reading, or playing? Yeah, so I saved the best for last here. I've been really excited for my what I've been watching for uh, this third episode. So first of all, uh, for those of you listening in America, you may know that the 4th of July recently passed. Um, actually, everyone around the world probably knows <laughs> that the 4th of July recently passed. Um, but uh, for Americans, it's a holiday. Uh, that, you know, can be kind of fun. We like to shoot off fireworks, make big explosions in the sky. That wasn't legal in Seattle this year. They canceled our fireworks. Um, so uh, instead of going out and watching fireworks, I watched the next best thing, which was Independence Day. And what a movie. Just real fun. Just, it's got Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith. I mean, it's, it's action-y. It's got the eye candy. It's got fun one-liners. Love Independence Day great 4th of July watch, you know, pair it with a bottle of champagne, you're golden. Um, so that was awesome. I also have been watching, uh, some TV. I've been watching, uh, a little bit of Adventure Time. Um, I'm like way deep in the series now. I'm on like the seventh or eighth season. Um, I started from the beginning 
and it has evolved man like i wasn't really aware of what went on with the series but it started out just like super random it stays pretty random but they start getting into some like real heavy shit later in this series like i'm watching it and there's stuff about you know like entire realities being killed off there's like people having like like weird like mental things as a result of you know getting mutations and you know there's there's divorce uh, like there's a lot going on here and yeah yeah <laughs> you know 50 percent of all marriages end in divorce and that is true in the land of Ooh. um but uh i mean there's there's a lot going on there that i honestly wasn't prepared for but it's made it a much more compelling watch than it, at first i just put it on in the background and now i'm like okay i'm watching adventure time um, also, the episodes are like 10 or 15 minutes, which is really easy. Um, so, I mean, like, if, if you think it sounds like something that's not for you, like, it goes places, man. You're like, maybe pick it up, like, season five and beyond, because stuff gets weird. There, there's, like, war heroes that are dying over and over again for their country and being cloned. Um, yeah, no, right? But uh, anyway, besides that, I also picked up a new series that I have to say is the most quality programming that I have seen since I was probably five. Um, and this show is History Channel's Kings of Pain. It's two dudes, one American, one Australian, and they're going around the world getting bitten and stung by various venomous animals. Um, and then they're ranking it on pain, in duration and overall damage um they're trying to create a uh, a new pay pain scale that is uh separate from the schmidt pain scale um but i have to say the science is not there these guys like they're like grabbing scorpions just like holding them down on each other's arms until they sting them and th they're not just doing bugs either they got bit by a monitor lizard they're stabbing themselves with lionfish i mean these guys like i mean if you guys are listening i'm sorry but these guys are fucking idiots like every time i see them do something i'm like it won't get stupider than this and then they're like we're gonna go find a monitor lizard and have it bite us or uh you know i'm only like four episodes in and they're escalating pretty quickly so i'm not sure these guys survived season two but I'm excited to find out. Anyway, uh, it's it's a little bit hard to watch because uh, you know, like you see them grabbing these animals and they're 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 mistreating these animals. Um, not entirely sure that's like something I want to support. But on the other hand, like a lot of these are like incredibly invasive species, like the lionfish and the crown of the crown crown of thorns starfish. But uh, anyway, it's kind of hard to watch. It's two guys going through excruciating pain and then ranking it to each other. Not sure how they got funding for a show. They're traveling around the world doing this. There's a medic with them that pretty much every episode is like, I'm not sure I can continue to watch you guys do this in good conscience. Um, but anyway, that's Kings of Pain, and that's wow. what I've been watching. <laughs> Hank, is uh, was Adventure Time Adult Swim or Cartoon Network? Because that sounds Cartoon pretty Network. Adult, man. Really? So kids were watching this at like 6 p.m.? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And would you say like it really takes till about season five or did, at what point did you think this started turning around from something that was background watch to like you were full on paying attention for um, someone that I, wanted to start completely blind? It had its moments um, early on where there were some episodes where I was like, oh, man, that that's something, you know, like in the first like two or three seasons. Um, but I say around season five um, is when 
it started getting like really really real um and let me just check to make sure that it actually yeah it's only cartoon network uh though there is a spin-off series that's hbo gotcha okay very on brand then yeah anyway check it out what of what you've been watching week i'm glad you saved the best for uh for last for the best movie that we'll be reviewing as we'll get into but uh taylor what did you watch over the past few weeks that you saved for this episode I watched, let's see here. So just a little quick hit. Uh, I watched one episode of Black Summer. It's a zombie show on Netflix. Um, really kind of interesting setup. So like I said, I only watched the first episode. I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm going to want to watch more, but not sure if it's going to stay as good as it is. Um, but so far, it's a bunch of little vignettes uh, of different characters. Um, and I think what's going to happen is they're all going to get together and we're going to see them. But it takes place not in... Uh, you don't see any of the characters learning about zombies. They already know, so we're right at the beginning of this emergency. So there's still vaguely government stuff going on, and people are like running from zombies, and they kind of seem to know what's going on. Um, but we get a lot of diverse characters, all different types of people, different backgrounds. Some of them make some pretty interesting choices. Um, and I think what's going to happen is that they're all going to get together, and we're going to see how, if they tell the truth about what happened, all kinds of stuff. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, another series I've been watching is uh, Narcos Mexico. Everyone in my <laughs> life has told me I would like Narcos. I never watched it. I, don't, I just never, I'm not big into crime, drug stuff. I didn't like Breaking Bad. Um, but uh, Narcos Mexico has been doing it for me on second season now. Uh, Diego Luna is just a sensation. That's um, yeah, great. I, I, I'm loving it. It makes me want to watch the, the first Narcos. Um, and then the last thing I've been watching, another TV series been watching loki and i've been really <gasps> really liking it um i my, my favorite little tidbits from it are uh, the costumes that a certain uh certain authority has uh these 1960s kind of like retro futurism costumes uh loki when he's in one of their uniforms has a very interesting shirt i'm gonna menswear nerd out here a little bit it's it's like there's a panel added on over the front of the shirt and the collar is a continuous piece of that panel so i don't know how he like slides the tie through all the way but there's buttons in the front that i think serve to keep the tie up here but the one thing the shirt does with this like second panel on is that it makes the uh, the point space between the collar points perfect for whatever shirt he's wearing because they're not really points it's this whole big Scene that goes all the way down. So anyway, loving the costumes of, of Loki, um, loving the show. Uh, it's gotten. I've seen this gotten drug into the culture wars a little bit with some people hating on different aspects of it. But none of all that's overblown. It's just a, it's just good old fashioned fun. I'm having a great time. Sweet man, I'm so stoked on your love of Loki. Very topical for this week with doing the Marvel thing. Uh, and I think, again, it just shows how diverse these stories can be told across this Marvel Cinematic Universe, man. We have Loki all the way to Black Widow. Um, okay, cool. So I have a couple things that I saved. I think Taylor stole a little bit of the gust out of my <laughs> sale, but I also have been watching Loki. And I think one of the things I really appreciate about this is Disney is doing kind of an interesting rollout schedule with this, where most streaming services will wait till Friday and they will drop their new episodes at midnight or they will do it Friday evening. Sunday is typically like a good HBO spot. Um, But 
Disney has decided now that they're going to be dropping their big releases on Wednesday nights so that they can be completely, you know, competitive. There's no one else dropping big episodes on Wednesday night. So Friday is their Disney spot or excuse me, their Star Wars spot. And then their Marvel stuff will come out on Wednesday night. Um, and I've been staying up till midnight on Tuesday, every single Tuesday for the past five <laughs> weeks to watch these these Loki episodes, man. Like Taylor said, this is this is peak Marvel, man. I think this is probably top three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for me of all time. And I, I really like Thor Ragnarok for anyone who's seen that. And I think there's some really interesting stuff here, man. He, he you know, Taylor touched on some of the production, but I think I am not usually one to jump in on a soundtrack, but man, there is some really cool, like almost Celtic string music in the background of what almost verses into like a hard sci-fi show a lot of the time. It's a really, really yeah, interesting good. juxtaposition. It's so cool. Um, and I think like one of the things that this Thor kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe approach takes is, and, and this happens in the comics as well as I've been reading lately, is that it takes these fantasy elements and it says, what if this fantasy element existed in science fiction? So we have our seven realms, right? We have elves and we have ice trolls and all of the stuff. But what if these were planets in science fiction? And what if these these boats and these giant Viking boats weren't moving from continent to continent, but from planets? And we open up the scale, and we make it enormous. We have time travel and we have shapeshifters and all of this stuff at a cosmic level. And Loki explores all of that stuff in a way that's like comprehensible if you haven't watched a lot of Marvel stuff in the first place, which I think is a testament in itself that like we're 22 movies deep and you can jump into a tv show that is on scale with the hbo limited series and kind of understand what's going on from some of the flashback sequences so i don't think you need me or taylor to tell you to go watch loki at this point but man loki absolutely fucking rules uh and then the other thing i've been watching that i will save a lot of my thoughts for is netflix's fear street which is a release of three horror films back to back to back each week starting two weeks ago. They'll be releasing a movie. There's three total, one in 1993, one in 1976, and one in 1966. Um, they are a bit of a homage to a lot of slasher movies from back in the day, and they're all kind of different period pieces uh, that are all interconnected horror films. Uh, I don't want to say literally anything about these movies because I know that Hank is waiting to watch these movies. Yeah, don't you I dare. Think we might, yeah. I think we might get Taylor to watch these. So yeah. I actually think this is pretty good fodder for a uh, Patreon episode because I've watched the first two at this point. I feel very strongly about the first two. I don't know what the last one's going to be like, but if you want to read my reviews on those, go to uh, the Rotating Reels Twitter account because I have been fighting a lot of teenagers on my thoughts about these movies. <laughs> yeah, so Keegan, just one thing I want to correct you on is that you said uh, 1994, 1978. Um, the, the third one is not in the 1960s. It's, it's in the 1660s. Excuse me. Yeah, so that is the pure period piece. Uh, but yeah, so again... These are interesting movies like Lord of the Rings, not in quality, but like in filming production, they were made all simultaneously, uh, which is pretty interesting. So Why? there's some, some yeah, good stuff here. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about these because we're going to review these, but I think that's the end of our what we've been watching anything over the past three weeks. Let's make an exception for this last episode. Anything you guys want to throw in there in the last minute? No, I just want to get to Black Widow. I, uh, I have feelings. 
All right, Taylor, you good? I'm good. I want to hear the feelings. <laughs> All right, so those feelings will uh, follow my reading of the plot synopsis from IMDb. So Black Widow, it's a new movie from Marvel Cinematic Universe again. There are two release schedules for this. You can either A, see this in theaters traditionally. Uh, hopefully you're vaccinated. If you're not, you probably shouldn't be listening to our show because we wouldn't like you very much if you weren't vaccinated. But B, the other <laughs> way you could watch this show is on Disney Plus, uh, and you could do premiere access for $30. Uh, the plot synopsis reads, <laughs> this is so, so fucking bad, a film about Natasha Romanoff in her quests between the films Civil War and Infinity War. Uh, pretty rough there, but overall, this is a pretty interesting film. It kicks off what is considered phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe alongside Loki, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and WandaVision. This is the first actual movie in the phase four of the MCU. So I think, Hank, you went first on what we've been watching. Taylor, how did you feel about this movie? How did you watch it? What are your overall thoughts? Um, I, I watched it at home. Um, I, you know, I saw Fast 9 in theaters, first movie back in theaters. Um, I didn't miss the theater, to be honest with you. It's, it's nice to see Vin Diesel's big sh gleaming bald head up there, but <laughs> otherwise, it's so much more convenient to watch it at home. I don't have to go pay for parking. I can pause it if I got to go to the bathroom. I There was a moment during Fast 9 where I just I finished my Slurpee and I realized, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. And I was like, I guess I got to hold it like some barbarian. So I, I, I watched Black Widow at home. Um, I liked it. I liked the movie. I thought um, as far as Marvel movies go, this is not in my probably not even in my top 10, honestly. Um, we can get into that in, in the rest of the review. Um, but everything you'd expect from Marvel, uh, everything's very high level of professionalism. Um, the script makes sense. The plot makes sense relatively. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot there. If you like comic books, if you like the Marvel Universe, I think you're going to like Black Widow. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right, seems like a, a pretty good way to start off. Relatively strong, Hank. I feel like you said you had thoughts on this movie. What are those yeah. thoughts? Yeah. So I, I'm I'm just gonna preface this by saying I haven't seen a whole lot of Marvel movies. I think I've seen <laughs> Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Avengers, and Avengers Endgame. I've also seen none of the Marvel TV series. Not an episode of any of them. Um, so that's that's my knowledge of of, of Marvel going in here. Not a ton. That said, um, you know, when I have gone out to see a Marvel movie or stayed in to see a Marvel movie, uh, for, for the record, I stayed in, watched this, uh, shelled out 30 bucks and hated myself every second of typing in that credit card number. Um, <laughs> but anyway, when I have gone out, you know, gone out of my way to see a Marvel movie, I'm like, well, at least it'll be a spectacle. You know, like, I might not totally know what's going on. I might not really care about these characters because I, I'm not that into superheroes. It's not my thing. Um, you know, like, 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 I like horror. I like stuff where, like, I know bad things are going to happen, and that just doesn't happen in superhero movies for the most part. Um, so anyway, I'm like, at least it'll be a spectacle. At least it'll be, you know, like, rock show, big, big, you know, pyrotechnics. There might be fun, fun music. And this movie was kind of a spectacle. But, but I saw it a week after seeing F9, the Fast Saga. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, the thing is, F9 The Fast Saga is a much bigger spectacle than this movie. I mean, is it as well written as this movie? Probably not. Is the acting as good as this movie? You know, maybe not. But 
the spectacle was so much bigger. And arguably, that movie was also a superhero movie. So, you know, if I had to rank the two superhero movies I had seen, Fast 9 beats Black Widow, like, on all counts for me. Um, so anyway, I'm watching this movie where I'm like, wow, this is so much more boring than the movie I just watched a week ago. But on the plus side, like, you know, Fast 9, like, you don't really know who anyone is, and it doesn't really matter. In Black Widow, it seemed to kind of matter, because, like, there, 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 there were moments where they, they would, like, you know, be talking to a character. I'd be like, oh, this is just a throwaway character. And then I realize it's, like, the Red Guardian or whatever, and I'm like, oh... Maybe I should have known that or, you know, something like that. That's actually not a good example. I think this was the Red Guardian's first appearance on Mm -hmm. on screen. But uh, there was stuff like that all throughout the movie where I'm like, oh, this is, you know, clearly made with Marvel fans in mind. I'm I'm not one of them. You know, there's so like the movie is diminished for me in that sense. And then it's kind of a spectacle, but it is not nearly as cool as Fast 9 because, you know, it's a superhero movie. So we kind of have to ignore physics and stuff anyway, which is something I had to do for Fast 9. But like the effects were a lot more special than practical here uh, compared to Fast 9, uh, which kind of showed for me. And like it just wasn't that exciting to me. I, I found myself really pressed to keep my eyes on the screen and not like on my phone or something um which is not a good sign for an action movie you know i want to be glued <laughs> to the action and i wasn't um that said uh that you know it sounds really negative there were some high points um the russian accents were not one of them the russian accents i thought were garbage i, gr- I grew up with a lot of russian people around me um but uh you know some of the people doing russian accents did have charismatic performances i'll give them that uh uh, the the girl I don't remember her name. She played uh, Yelena, uh, Black Widow's sister. Florence Pugh, baby. Yeah, Florence, Florence Pugh. Pugh. I thought she was funny. She made some good jokes. Uh, the guy playing Red Guardian also seemed kind of funny. Um, but overall, this movie, I was just like, oh, so this is like, you know, kind of a worse example of the genre I was watching last week. Um, <laughs> and that was like the that, that was the overwhelming impression it left me with. I was just like, eh. That, uh, that that was fine. That didn't offend me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair yeah, enough. I, okay. I, this is generally kind of what I expected from the group yeah. of, of where we all kind of fall in place. Taylor, what were you saying? Well, I was going to say, Hank, I like how you said that nothing bad's going to happen in a superhero movie. I I don't know what you were watching with the Avengers movie. The world almost gets the universe. Half the people just die in the movie. I mean, that's pretty bad, I think, Hank. They just undo it at the end. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, pain and suffering to get there, though. I mean, yeah. kind of we'll until they undo it. But <laughs> people's families I, I, yeah. disappeared, Hank. I think Briefly. there's there's a good amount of this that we can go over as spoilers with the MCU timeline. I'll get through my thoughts relatively quickly here. I I actually think a lot of this movie is is best discussed as spoilers. Yeah. I don't think it's a super flat or script heavy movie, but again, because it's the what twenty third movie in a, a series that has twenty three movies and three TV shows, it, it best is served there. I really like this movie. I don't think that's going to be a surprise for anybody. I think this is a lot of fun. Uh, again, we saw this in IMAX, so I think this is definitely the right place to see it. Uh, I, you know, in past episodes have been kind of heard as saying I am a big Marvel apologist. I didn't used to like these movies. Um, I think they started going into weird extraterrestrial space elements of Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok, and that's when I really started getting interested. And I think these these movies kind of are, are super intertwined in a way that I think takes a lot of skill 
to wrap together movies, right? We've seen movies that only have a movie and a sequel that can't even wrap things together that well. So at this scale, I think it's just impressive that movies can be this interconnected. But one thing that I've also criticized in the past when we've reviewed other action movies is I think I've criticized that Scarlett Johansson's depiction of Black Widow is ultimately kind of a sex icon in a way that is not really fleshed out as a character. She, yes, she is strong and she can fight, but it's ultimately she's fighting in a way that's kind of sexualized. And I don't think that's really interesting or does much for the character if she doesn't have a lot of backstory. But a tweet that I saw recently by journalist Roxana Haddadi from um, Pajiba is she wrote that like ultimately a movie that comes from male gaze or from female gaze isn't inherently bad from coming from those positions but it is bad if we're not going to give that character any depth right so if we're having Black Widow introduce an Iron Man 2 or a lot of the Avengers movies and she's just there kind of to be Scarlett Johansson and be super hot and fight in a hot way but she doesn't have a lot of backstory that's kind of you know that's an issue right but if we're gonna give her characterization and she fights and we we kind of play with the fact that she is is doing these poses while she fights and we we acknowledge that her fighting is inherently kind of sexualized but we give her backstory that's what makes a character fleshed out so i think this movie is kind of a fun way to make black widow a mainstay of the avengers now is it a little late absolutely i think this is a movie that should have come out five years ago at the middle of the Avengers, right? We have Black Widow and Hawkeye are kind of the butt of the joke of a lot of these movies because they don't have superpowers and because they're kind of often underwritten. Uh, and I think I wish this movie had come out earlier because some of the events that we talked about in Endgame would have felt a lot more impactful between Hawkeye and Black Widow. Uh, all things considered, I think despite the fact that it's a little bit late, I think there is some fun characterization to be had here. It's a big cast, man. We got Rachel Weisz, David Harbour, uh, Florence Pugh, who's been on a meteoric rise right now, who may or may not become a mainstay in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a lot of fun, and I think there's actually a lot of heart, a lot of comedy in this movie, and I think despite the fact that Black Widow doesn't have superpowers, we actually get a lot of relatively interesting action scenes here. I agree. They lean on the CGI a little bit too heavily, but overall... They're, they still find a way to make this relatively interesting considering the last three things we've seen is, you know, Loki and Falcon, right? These these crazy super-powered individuals. So I like this movie a lot. I think it brings a lot to the MCU plate, but I think there are definitely some things to be not super stoked on. Before we get oh. into spoilers, do you guys have any, uh, you know, lasting thoughts on, on pre-spoilers? Let's get into spoilers because I I I I want to I want to talk to you about some of the points you made, but I want to do it in spoiler territory. All right, Hank. Anything? <sighs> Nothing I haven't already said. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that, let's uh let's move into spoilers, gentlemen. We are back in uh, spoiler review for Black Widow. You said you had some uh, comments on some of the stuff I had said about Black Widow. What are those? Let's get into them. Yeah, so your, your comments about her is like, is this is she for the male gaze, the female gaze, and, and you liking how we got some backstory to kind of support the character more so she's not just this fucking eye candy that's there in the big, you know, superhero universe. Um, and I don't, I don't think this movie did anything to solve that problem um, because her, the main thing, the main, like, character point for Black Widow has always been she's an orphan. Like, all the stuff about her being a spy and all of her emotional struggle, it's all goes back to she's an orphan. And all this movie did for that 
plot-wise was, oh no, maybe she has a family. And then, oh no, she doesn't actually have a family. She's an orphan again. Oh no, she actually does have a family. Oh no, she's an orphan again. Like they, they just doubled down on that and they literally did it two more times. And I, I don't know if this is a fault. Uh, this is my, I, I didn't want to say this, my overall impression, but now that we're behind the solid barrier of, of spoiler territory, um, it could just be the movie, but I don't know if ScarJo can sustain a movie as the lead. I, I've kind of always thought that about her. Uh, there's just not the charisma there for me. Um, and so the most interesting parts of this movie were the other characters. Uh, her sister, her father, her mother, Rachel Weiss was great. I, everybody else to me was more interesting than ScarJo and she's the lead. And I don't, I don't, it, it could not be her fault. It, it could just be the the script and everything else. But in a bunch of other films I've seen her in where she's the lead, it just doesn't work for me. I don't, I, don't, I can't put my finger on what it is, but I thought she's a great as a secondary character. And I thought she, that role was fine in these movies. And I liked them being the butt of jokes because they don't have superpowers. And to give her her own movie, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's this fair, one would have yeah. been better left on the shelf. I think before I pass it to Hank Taylor, I, you know, to the point of like her character being like super kind of sexualized in a lot of, you good. So I guess to the earlier point of in you know her introduction to the Iron Man movies and early Avengers movies, I think it's kind of inescapable that she was just presented as this eye candy. Do you think like we straddle this weird point of of ScarJo might not be able to handle her own solo movie, but. In what way do we kind of amend the fact that she was introduced in that way, if not giving her her own solo movie, right? Do you think if we had like an Avengers movie that gave a little bit of background, like what way do you think we kind of comfortably come to terms with the fact that this was her her initial introduction? I thought they did it in Endgame. I, I, I thought it was totally wrapped up for me that she was alive. She kind of managed stuff. She didn't need her superpowers to kind of stay at the home base and kind of manage the universe falling apart in the wake of Thanos's snap. And I thought, that, and she redeems herself, you know, by sacrificing herself for everybody else. I, I thought I had a neat bow on it. I didn't need this. And uh, I think part of the reason I didn't need it is because I, I was kind of had the feeling there wasn't a lot there. That this character just had a pretty, a pretty, co not a common story, but a story we've heard before, right? The orphan becomes a super soldier or whatever else and struggles with that the rest of their life. Like... So I thought they kind of they showed her intelligence, her ability to keep things organized in Endgame, and I thought that I thought that was great. Yeah, that's fair. Hank, do you have uh, any thoughts moving into spoilers? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I I agree with Taylor. I don't think she could really carry a movie on her own. Um, there, I, I'm not entirely sure if for me, Endgame like dealt with her being like an eye candy character, but. And I'm, I, I don't know, this might be a controversial opinion. Um, like, I'm not saying it's great to have, like, eye candy characters, but I think that if you can't... Like, like she's already been introduced. Cat's out of the bag, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can't correct for that in a way that is, like, a good correction... Like, if your correction is just there to be, like, we corrected it, which is kind of what this movie felt like to me, I'm like, 
why bother? You're not really doing anyone any favors. Like, it's not like anyone's going to be like, ah, oh, you're right, Scarlett Johansson is a strong actress. You know, like, that's not going to happen because of this movie. Like, like it, 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 all they did is, like, they took a character who has, like, kind of a spy background, and they put her in, like, the most boring spy movie that had, like, you know, like, some weird, like, Marvel action stuff thrown in. Like, it's not... It's not, like, really compelling. The character didn't feel any deeper for me by the end of this movie than she did. Like, I, I felt more for her sister, her mother, her, or her surrogate mother, surrogate father than I felt for her. Like, it, it may have been an attempt to correct for that, but I don't think an attempt is worth it if this is the fruit of that attempt. It, it's just, it did nothing to actually correct for that in my eye. Like, even poking fun at, like, how she, she poses in combat. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny, but it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't, like, retroactively undo the fact that she's just kind of an eye candy character in those other movies. Like, it, it, it hasn't improved on anything, <laughs> well, this, how do this you, attempt to undo it. You how know? do you distinguish between eye candy and Hollywood A-list actors, right? Because they're all at some level eye candy, right? So they introduced Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh is gorgeous also, right? Rachel Weiss is gorgeous, right? So, like, what, where, where's the line at which it's okay to have a gorgeous person without much of a character story, right? And I think there's definitely, you can totally do that wrong. You can totally be on the wrong side of that line. I, I'm not saying that the Black Widow character is on either side of it. I'm not quite sure where I would put her, but I just, I'd, I, I, I think, Hank, you and I are kind of in agreement that this wasn't a tremendous movie. And if the reason to do it was that, that was not a good enough reason. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think, like, part of my take on this is that, like, I have been trying to read more of source material in the past year, and I've been trying to read more of Marvel Comics. And one thing that's kind of stuck out to me, you know, again, like most people our age, my introduction was these Marvel Cinematic, U Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and then moving into the, the comics, one thing that stands out is that everyone is super fucking hot in the comics, right? Like, these are essentially just, you know, Greek gods with spandex over them so they're not nude. Like, yeah. male or female, Hercules, Thor, all of these characters in the comics are essentially the ideal pinnacle of what a human should look like, and then you put some red spandex over on top of them. So it's, it's fairly common that these characters are sexualized in the comics. I think for me... The reason that this movie feels like it kind of falls flat is that it just comes at the time that it did, right? Like, typically, we're so used to seeing a character introduction into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then we move them into the greater Avengers movies or more of an ensemble cast. But we are so used to seeing Black Widow kind of being omnipresent in a lot of these movies. We saw her introduced in Iron Man. She's on in all these other movies. And now, you know, 10 to 15 years later, after... Her character's been killed off. We get a little bit of explanation. I think it falls a little bit flat versus if we would have seen this movie 10 years ago when we were watching, what, Hulk 1, Ant-Man, you know, Iron Man 3, I think this movie would have been a little bit more resonant. But because the fact we're getting it after she passed away, I think it, it, it falls a little bit more flat because of that. Um, so, again, I think the sexualization is, is its own topic, but I think were it introduced a little bit earlier i don't think that would have been so kind of jarring to me well and you know to be fair if this had come out and I, I agree with you i think it would have been more appropriate to have this come out before the character dies <laughs> uh <laughs> but i would have treated it just like ant-man whereas i liked him in the avengers i, I liked the actor I, I thought he was a fun addition to the crew 
I didn't go see the standalone movies. I don't need to learn more about Ant-Man. I would have kind of felt the same way about mm-hmm. Black Widow. So I probably wouldn't have seen the movie. And so maybe there, maybe there's sort of a, a business standpoint where they're trying to say, hey, we need to get more Marvel content out there that's not mainline so we don't mess with any of that stuff. Maybe that was part of the reason why they, they drew it out as long as they did. Or maybe ScarJo's people just really were pushing this whole time that she needs a standalone. She's done it. She's put her time in. She did Mary's story, man. She acted with Adam Driver. It's time it's time to give her her standalone movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I just... I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, also, as a standalone movie, it was two and a half hours long. It was so long to sit with to what was to me just such a completely mediocre movie. It was like if it was like if you went to a restaurant and you ordered like the biggest plate they had there and you took your first bite and you were like, I could have made something better at home, but you still have to eat the rest of it. You know, it's not like offensive. It's just like, oh, God, I have to make it through this. (laughs) (laughs) I paid for this. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Keegan, I think you liked it most out of all of this. Do you think that's just because you love the Marvel Universe so much? Or were there other elements of the movie that really caught you? No, I, I think there's a lot of things. I, you know, I think this, on its own, as an action film, I think it's fairly competent. And I think, you know, we do a little bit of a disservice by holding up in the 2021 summer lineup where all these movies have been held back and we're getting yeah. this against... F9, which is, you know, the biggest spectacle we might see for the next three years, right? Like, I think it, it, it is clearly not going to hold its own against that. But, I, you know, we are pulling together a really fun cast. I think David Harbour is on a bit of a high. He did, you know, Stranger Things, and he's kind of back in the public eye. David Harbour as the Red Guardian, who, again, a character I didn't know before this, but apparently has a, a fairly extensive comic background is pretty fun and i think we get a fun mix of him and and cheesiness of him having carl marx tattooed on his knuckles while you know arm wrestling other guys in a, in a russian prison is, is relatively fun and i think florence Pugh again is a character or an actress who's kind of on a, a bit of an uprise so to see her be put in a position where she is potentially going to take over the mantle is, is pretty exciting but i i guess i don't disagree with the argument that I like this because it is an interesting puzzle piece in the greater MCU. And I think, you know, it is nice to get a little bit of a wrap up on Natasha's character. And I think overall, I really like Florence Pugh between Little Women and Midsommar and seeing her move into the MCU and knowing that she might take the mantle of Black Widow as we move into these this you know, new phase of the movies is, is pretty exciting. So I do think there is a fair amount of, of being a fan of the MCU that plays into my enjoyment of this movie. But overall, I do think it is a fairly competent action movie. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it could be an unfair uh, kind of comparison because, you know, I did watch this a week after F9, which I thought was just a spectacle. You know, I, maybe even a spectacular spectacle. And this was like, you know, this kind of a spectacle. It was it, it was kind of like if the opening act followed like the main band at the rock show with all the pyrotechnics and they still had, you know, some sparklers, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think about, you know, I I think 
Hank, you had noted that like the, the Russian accents aren't the most believable, and I, I think that's completely fair. But Florence Pugh is, is a great actress. I think she's a lot of fun. I think she brings a lot of comedy to this movie. Knowing that she might be the mantle of Black Widow as we move forward and, and her arc throughout this movie, what did you guys think about her? I think she she kind of might be the heart of this movie second oh, she was, to Black Widow. She was the high point of this movie for me. Like, the, like way more fun to watch than ScarJo. Sorry, ScarJo, mm-hmm. but like like she was making jokes she was funny like like she had kind of a more interesting kind of character thing going on than scarjo at least to me like it was like kind of all new in this movie and i liked mm-hmm. it you know it like she was definitely the high point of the movie you know bad accent notwithstanding <laughs> <laughs> yeah the accents were yeah. were pretty rough no she she was good and i like you said david harbour i thought he was great i think the minute he I, I just didn't buy the chemistry at all between um, ScarJo and Florence uh, Pugh. I just didn't buy it. I just it wasn't there for me. So when Harbour came in, I was like, okay, maybe let's see how this mixes it up a little bit. And then it started to get a little funnier for me. I did want to call out also Ray Winstone, who is the the villain. Uh, I thought he did a great job for the little bit of time that he got on screen. I thought he was creepy and gross, and I, I totally, I totally loved him as the villain. That was kind of a little standout for me. I wish we had gotten more of him. Yeah, love to hate him. Yeah, know? yeah, um, yeah. And another question I have, so Taylor, I think this might apply a little bit more to you since you've watched Loki. Uh, and I think, Hank, have you seen WandaVision? Are we all on board with WandaVision? No. I haven't seen it. All right, sorry, this might be a little bit more Taylor question. But so, you know, given that the phase four is moving a little bit towards magic and a lot of more large superpower, do you feel like, you know, given that we don't have a lot of superpowered people here and we kind of have to rely on a little bit more of a spy espionage thing, do we feel like the action held up? I'm, I'm thinking of more of the last sequence where the whole sky base is falling and we're, we're jumping between different pieces of debris that's falling from the sky. Did that do anything to excite you guys? No, and and honestly, the whole Sky Fortress thing, like, they just there just can't be constantly evil geniuses with layers all over the world when we have the Avengers everywhere. Like, I mean, th- think think about the plot of this movie, right? Well, the first you get the first minor villain, the kind of mind controlled lady with the mask on, right? So we get her right in the beginning, mm-hmm. and we know she's not the real villain. There's a bigger villain somewhere before. We've seen this story in Marvel movies. what 10 times now this is the same story there's the big evil lair and like oh yeah it just floats in the sky and there's clouds around it that's why all these superheroes have never seen it or noticed it before it's just like uh, you know we're gonna have to suspend a little bit of disbelief but just this that can't be the story every time like it can't be the minor villain then the major villain and then the the hidden base where they're the lair i mean like at some point we got to do something else you know and i get that it works and i get that it makes money and i bet black widow's gonna make money but I mean that like I it's you need more to have that story still feel fulfilling for me. And unfortunately, I just don't think ScarJo can deliver that. Yeah, and yeah. you know, they're trying to do like a superhero movie for a character that is not a superhero. Like she's a great <laughs> fighter, right? She's she's just she's a person, yeah, you know? She's just a lady. Like, and the thing is, like, they have all this cool stuff. Like, they have, like, the, this kind of, like, it's not really the Cold War, but it's, you know, like, the East versus West, Russia versus the U.S. sort of thing. There's, like, these spy overtones. And they do nothing with them, despite the fact that, like, international espionage could be something really interesting to look at, especially, like, in the context of, like, kind of, like, this uh, 
you know, like they have the Red Guardian, who's like the Russians' Captain America, and they have Captain America. Like they have this kind of like like superhero arms race going on. They could do all this really interesting stuff with international espionage, and instead they made a really unexciting superhero movie. Yeah, and and you know there. So this is actually I I was thinking about the addition of the Red Guardian in the movie, and you know like you said he's got Karl Marx on his on tattooed on his knuckles, and we see all the Russian prison tattoos and the other people and everything else. Um, and I thought it would be because you know these Captain America. I mean these these comic book superheroes were used as part of a, a propaganda campaign, right? They were uh, commenting on real geopolitical things that were happening. And Marvel's not done that with this with this latest round of, of movies and everything, right? They're they're just not really talking about that, and that could be something really really interesting. Um, and so I, I I hope that maybe by showing Red Guardian, that's something they start to kind of explore a little bit, um, trying to make these superheroes, these larger than life figures, somehow fit within the real world that we all live in, like the comic book characters used to. Yeah, that's fair. And it's interesting because I think most people within the MCU, I think people equate Black Widow to being usually within the Captain America movies. And those early Captain America movies did a lot of interesting stuff of talking about how, you know, during World War One, World War Two, we had these fun propaganda of like, you know, you should serve your country and having these big figureheads of superheroes that would play into that. And I think having the Red Guardian would be a really interesting way to address that from the Soviet Union perspective. But I think it ultimately kind of falls flat. And I think there's some interesting stuff about how there were Russian spies in the U.S. that gathered U.S. intel. But ultimately, I don't think it really plays out too much when we get to the end of the movie. And we're kind of ultimately faced with the idea that, you know, post-credits, Natasha's dead. And I think her her family stuff is kind of fun and she you know acknowledges that her family is there for her she has her avengers family and her kind of found family from from back in her you know soviet union days but ultimately it it doesn't really amount to much when we get to that point where the the captain america movies have that fun commentary so i think that's completely fair do you think there's a conspiracy theory here that the reason that disney does not want to i mean like why why are we not talking about what china's doing with superheroes right like do you do you think it's because that's a big market for them now and the soviet union was never a market for any of these comic books right so yeah maybe there's there's real reasons why we're not seeing you know uh modern day commentary from these these superheroes yeah i mean it's 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 disney stuff i think they just don't want to open that can of worms yeah they're yeah. like, you know, we we can sell spectacle to everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as soon as we say something, you know, remotely political, we're going to piss someone off. Yeah. Well, it just and I will say, and the so only we... person that doesn't like what we're doing is Hank Showalter. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and who cares if one guy with a podcast popular in India doesn't like our movies? <laughs> hey, hey! If the Marvel movies start falling apart, in uh, if no one's going to go see them in India and Ireland, they know why. It's it's us. They can put that on our front door. I mean, I guess I will say, though, right, like, I think there is some easy criticism to make of the Soviet Union and also of, like, modern-day China. But we, you know, before this movie, we see a trailer for Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, and that's a character who is very much tied in with Chinese legend. Uh, And one thing that we're seeing already with these early trailers is that, you know, mainland China on the Marvel Chinese page or the Marvel Hong Kong page, these are getting, like, completely review-bombed already. These trailers are being down like to hell. You know, I think modern Chinese audiences are already 
kind of not super stoked on the idea of a like Asian American or Chinese American Marvel hero. So I'm very curious to see like it's an easy target to say like 80s Soviet Union is a bad guy, but if we have you know the idea that a Chinese American or involvement with modern China as as a cinematic universe villain, what that means for the franchise. I don't know. I think that that'll be a bigger conversation once we get there for that review. But as it stands right now for Black Widow, I think it's a very low-hanging fruit to say the Soviet Union in the 80s were the bad guys. But again, that stands to be seen in future reviews. I mean, you know, this might be a little too topical. Maybe we'll we'll cut this out in post. But, you know, there's a, a massive protest movement happening in Cuba right now. Um, against the regime, against uh, communism, against dictatorship. Um, and that is, it's, it's interesting to see how the Western, especially American media and, and people react to that because there's been a lot of talk about socialism and politics lately of elected officials. Here in Seattle, we have avowed uh, communists on our city council. Um, and so it's interesting to realize that these debates and conversations are not dead in the real world, right? They're not over. And the uh, propaganda of, of Captain America and of the Red Guardian and all of that stuff, that's still the tendrils of that still extend from the past into our present. Um, and so that's why I was pretty surprised they brought him in when I first saw him, because I was like, this is in some ways opening a can of worms a little bit that Disney has not wanted to open. And, you know, obviously the Russian market is not what the Chinese market is. So anything that they do in the Chinese market, like if they want to create, you know, what if they create a superhero that was paid for by the Chinese Communist Party and, and he joins the Avengers? I mean, like they could really get into some shit with the, all of the, all of these different things they're playing with. Um, so the fact they included a guy with Karl Marx tattooed on his knuckles um, in Black Widow, I thought was just really, really interesting from a, a larger kind of business standpoint for them. Yeah, definitely. Again, with Shang-Chi, that'll be interesting to see. And I also, you know, I don't know how long Mark Ruffalo is contracted to play the Hulk, but in the comic universe right now, there's a guy named Amadeus Cho, who's a Chinese teen who ultimately takes, er, Chinese or Korean teen who ultimately takes the mantle of the Hulk. So again, as we get more Asian American people, I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, again, I think it's good for representation, but it's also going to be interesting to see like how much those alignment with those, you know, national parties plays into it. Yeah. And to make the distinction between, you know, the Chinese people and the Chinese regime and, and all that goes with that yeah. too. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. A, a place that I think Iron Man one was not ready to tackle, but I think we've gone a little <laughs> bit long and I think it's, it's, it's been an interesting conversation about the politics of these different movies, but uh, I'm interested to hear like kind of closing thoughts, what we think about this movie. We can maybe get into some ratings, but Hank, how are you feeling about this movie in, in final thoughts? Yeah. So I've, I've kind of shit on the movie. Um, and I don't, uh, for me, it's not a good movie. You know, for me, it's, it wasn't all that entertaining. I, I'm not that connected to the characters. It's not a movie for me. But, you know, like In the Heights, I know it's not for me. You know, there's, there's an audience out there that's into Marvel movies. They want this extra piece of story. It's like an extra puzzle piece. But, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the puzzle piece. I don't have the rest of the puzzle. So I'm like, the fuck is this? Um, so anyway, I get that it's not for me. I didn't particularly like it, but I don't want to say like, if you're a Marvel fan, this is a bad movie. This is a bad movie if you're not at all a Marvel fan like me. So with that in mind, um, I would give this like, 
two sexy combat poses out of seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, self-aware combat poses, if anything. Why do you put your leg out and flip your hair back? You're a poser. <laughs> Taylor, how do you feel about this movie? Um, yeah, you know, I, I like the Marvel movies, but I'm not a huge Marvel fanboy. I'm not going to read the comics or anything, but I do like the Marvel movies. Um, so I think I'm a little bit warmer on it than, than you are, Hank. Maybe not. I'm kind of in between both you guys. Um, so I think I would give it mm, 7 out of 10 uh, terrible, terrible Russian accents. I haven't seen a Russian accent that bad since I watched uh, Rounders. Wow, that is uh, quite a combination of the, the Russian accents in this movie. Pay but, this uh, man overall, his money. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, well, this, is a little, this is an aside, but have you guys heard Matt Damon talk about uh, when John Malkovich came on set for the movie Rounders? No. So no. they're, they're sitting there, and it's right before you know Malkovich came out. Uh, so like everyone is like, oh my god, John Malkovich is here. And he came on set for just one day to film all his scenes. And uh, and <laughs> and uh, so they're talking. He's being nice, talking to the crew, whatever else. And they sit down to do the scene, and uh, Matt Damon's there. And they say, okay, action. And they start rolling. And all of a sudden, John Malkovich goes, well, what I thought. And he just, like, launches into the most terrible <laughs> Russian accent of all time. And he finishes, and the crew's like, that was great, great scene, blah, blah, blah. And, he, and Matt Damon's just staring at him like, what the fuck? And John Malkovich leans over the table and whispers to Matt Damon, I'm a terrible actor. <laughs> Is this true? That's, that's what Matt Damon says. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> so that's kind of what I was getting from, from all this. Like These guys <laughs> must have known these were terrible accents, right? Surely there was a Russian person around that could tell them these were not good accents. Yeah, they probably told them that, true. and they're like, try it like this, and then they just did the same thing. They're like, oh, fuck it. It's great that there's, like, <laughs> lines where, like, halfway through their sentence, they just drop it. They just can't even be, they can't finish a sentence with it going on. <laughs> it is not the most convincing, but overall, uh, I think it, it's fair enough, right? It's a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. I, I don't think you're expecting the most true accents no, of anything. it's fine. So. It's totally fine. It's passable. But uh, I guess to wrap us up, I think overall, I really enjoyed this movie. I think, I, I don't know why we keep passing these movie, these blockbusters to me to wrap up, because I think I'm I'm the dumbest and I think I'm the most warm <laughs> on all these movies. But no, it's I perfect. Think I, I, I like these movies the most. We'll go out on a high note. Overall, I would give this movie a four out of five boxes of red hair dye. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely super fun if you're into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Again, we've, you know, invested... The hours that go into these movies, but overall, you know, years of our lives that people have been watching this content and, and following interviews and all this stuff. So if you're into the MCU in the slightest, I think it's a really good send off to Natasha Romanoff. I'm super stoked to see where we go with Black Widow as a character now that we might be potentially transferring that to Florence Pugh's character. And I think the end, the end credits for this really ties us in that we might be moving into a new realm of the Avengers and, and having Florence Pugh as a new Black Widow. So. I think that's a lot of fun. Uh, I love this movie, and I'm really stoked to see where this goes afterwards. But uh, it seems like we are uh, fairly mixed on this movie, to say the <laughs> least. Yeah, not a resounding uh, uh, endorsement from us. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Well, yeah. yeah, no, this has been awesome. We have a review coming up next week, which is uh, going to be another A week. So, again, 
This is not going to be customary. We typically will try to do an ABAB schedule, but because we are in summer, we're going to be doing a lot of A weeks because there's so many blockbusters. On top of that, because of you know the pandemic of 2020, so many blockbusters were withheld from last season. So we are just getting inundated with movies this summer. So next week we will be doing another A week, and that movie is Space Jam: A New Legacy. Ooh. Similarly to Black Widow. It's a dual release, so you can catch this in theaters or on HBO Max. I'll read the plot synopsis here. (laughs) Oh, God. Stop making me read these things. (sighs) A rogue artificial intelligence kidnaps the son of famed basketball player LeBron James, who then has to work with Bugs Bunny to win a basketball game. Stop making me read these things. <laughs> I'm sure the movie will be fine. <laughs> that's something like your buddy's roommate would get super high, and that's something he would tell you about. We should do a movie where you're like, okay, all right, all right, Mark. <laughs> all right, I guess we're going to watch the stupid fucking movie. The, the blurb is whatever. I'm sure the movie will be a solid 3.5 average, but... Whatever. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. This has been an absolute fiasco of three episodes back to back to back. Any closing words, gentlemen? Done, baby. We did it. Yeah. Hank out. Three Pete.